Everybody and welcome back to the Music Matters Media Podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. And today we are going to have a super fun episode. It's always fun for me and I know it's fun for you, Eric, because we've had these discussions personally and now we are going to put this on record for all of you, a Blink-182 discography discussion. This is it. This is the official discussion, man. Just like how a couple episodes ago we discussed Blink-182 side projects, Angels and Airwaves, Boxcar Racer, Plus 44, and now we are back to discuss Blink-182's entire discography, and this is going to be a really interesting discussion because all the fellow Blink fans that are listening to this, I know for a fact they're going to want to chime in, and uh, they're going to have something to say about each album. So how we're going to do this, you guys, you can follow along and create your own list as you're listening. What we're going to do is we are only going to discuss studio albums. So that excludes the live album, the EP, that excludes mixtapes, demos. We will mention all that, but we are not getting into any of those technicalities. We are just strictly going to discuss studio albums today. Um, And we are going to take our top three songs from each album as we go through pick our favorites and then once we're done we are going to rank this is the dangerous part we are going to rank each album from our least favorite all the way to our favorite and you know I don't know how people feel about this but for me personally I didn't think it would be fair if we just lumped everything together with Tom and then with Matt so we are going to do half of it with Tom And then once California and California Deluxe rolls around, we are going to separate the two and not lump everything together because I feel like that's that's only right. That's it's the fair way to go. If we were to lump everything together, it just it would get too messy. Right, Eric? Oh, yeah, definitely. Before we can get into that, as always, we have our top three international countries of this week. Eric, are you ready to dive into our top three? Ready. Okay, coming in at number three, we have Mexico. Mexico, man, always strong. Right? Staying strong in the top three. Shout out to Mexico. Thank you guys so much. Coming in at number two, we have a country that has never made our top three before. Eric, do you want to take a wild guess what number two may be? Nah, just go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Chile. 
Wow, Chile. I'm so happy about that, man. How exciting, right? I've seen Chile for the past two weeks climb up the leaderboard and to to come out strong in the number two spot out of a top three is pretty outstanding. So seriously, you guys, shout out to you for making it not only in our top three, but hitting the number two spot for the first time. That's a big deal. Seriously. Welcome, guys. And... Coming in at number one, we have Argentina. Nice. Very nice. Um, Oh, man. Wow. That's right, Eric. Argentina is back at the number one spot for the second week in a row. So at number three, we have Mexico. Number two, we have Chile. And number one, we have Argentina. All three are Spanish-speaking countries, too. That's amazing. Fun fact for those who listen to our podcast Eric is Guatemalan, and I am Dominican. Shout out to those Spanish-speaking countries. You guys are incredible. Eric, give them a little shout out. Muchísimas gracias por escucharnos cada semana. Ustedes son los mejores. Los queremos muchísimo. Y felicitaciones por ser los tres primeros esta semana. So for those of you who don't speak Spanish out there, what I said was, thank you so much for listening to us every week. You guys are the best. We love you so much, and congratulations for being in the top three this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was our top three this week, but have no fear. If you want to make it in our top three next week or any week after that, all you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with any loved ones you may have, and we could be shouting you out next. You are here for the Blink-182 discography run-through, and that is what we're going to offer you today. Like I said, we're not doing mixtapes, we're not doing demos, no EPs, no live album. We will briefly, you know, give a shout-out to each of these things, but we are sticking to the studio albums. We're going to go through them, give you our favorites from each, and then we're ranking them. And I know that this is going to be a dangerous game because people out there who are listening... They are going to have their own personal opinion of what's the best and what's their least favorite. But that's why I highly suggest you guys play along with us as you're listening to this episode. If you are a Blink fan, get your pen and paper, get your phone, type it out, and follow along with us. All right, Eric, here we go. Starting out, we have Fly Swatter that came out in 1992 when Blink first became a band, when they first were Blink-182. Technically, they were Blink first, and then another band of the same name, I believe it was an Irish band, they were named Blink first, and then Blink had to quickly change their name, so they just threw random numbers, 182 attached to it, and there you have it, Blink-182 was then formed back in 1992. A lot of theories have been going around about what the 182 means, um, but it has been clarified by the band that it was just a random group of numbers. And yeah, so Fly Swatter, that was their first ever mixtape with Tom DeLonge, Mark Hoppus, and Scott Rayner. For those who may not know, Scott Rayner was the original drummer before Travis Barker stepped in during Enema of the State. But we'll get there. There's no rushing here. There's no rushing. So after Fly Swatter, we had Buddha. But Buddha, we're not getting into today either because it is classified as a demo, you guys. And that came out in 1994. I was a one-year-old when that came out, Eric. Crazy to think about, right? Yeah. And then, finally, their debut album arrived in 1995, and that is Cheshire Cat. 
So the first album up in today's lineup, studio album at least, Eric, what did you think about Cheshire Cat? And what are some of your favorites off this album? Three of them, to be specific. So this album is, you know, it's definitely pop punk at its rawest. I would say it's, it's you know, definitely not at all what people would come to know Blink as in later years. It is just pure skate punk, <laughs> pure crude jokes. You know, Tom's riffs were very fast, very distorted. And of course, the drumming was just insane all over this album. And three of my favorite songs from here would be Eminem's Cacophony. And the last one is Toast and Bananas. Cheshire Cat, their debut was totally raw, Blink-182. It was definitely more on the punk-leaning side of pop-punk. Um, arguably, before Enema of the State, they were mostly a skate-punk band. So they're classified as pop-punk now, but in their early days, definitely more punk-leaning. A lot of raw sounds on this album. Uh, they got some classic songs on this album. Some songs that they even still play to this day. Number one being Carousel. And that has made my top three for this album. So my top three is Carousel, Wasting Time, and M&M's from Cheshire Cat. Love those songs. For those who are listening, the way that I distinguished the top three, my personal top three for each album is I went back to my iTunes library and I just looked how many times that I play each song from each album and which songs that I play the most. So that is how I came down to, because the thing with me, my taste is always changing and there'll be certain periods of time where I might listen to one album more than another or some songs more than others. So I wanted this to be something that was something that I listened to overall in my entirety of listening to Blink-182. And that's how I came down to these top threes for each album so yes carousel wasting time and m&ms for cheshire cat eric you did really great too great picks because eric didn't listen to uh to dude ranch and cheshire cat before and i was like well we're gonna do this whole blink 22 discography you gotta catch up on some of this stuff and he's been a real trooper going back into the archives listening to this stuff and it's crazy especially for him i can only imagine maybe you can let me know to take a deep dive like this and compare it to now or compare it to you know albums throughout the years and see the progression of the band yeah, you know, unlike you, because I feel like you are an old school fan in the sense that, you know, you really, you, you couldn't have started listening to them at a better time, in my opinion. You know, you started listening to them at the right age, I guess you could say, or at the age when everyone really starts listening to them. So you relate to them on a completely different level than I do. My journey with Blink has been very, very weird, very angular, you know. I didn't listen to them until I was in college, and I listened to them because of you. You really got me into them. Diving back to these two albums and comparing them to everything else, you really do get an appreciation for how they've progressed throughout the years and how they've grown as songwriters. So yeah, listening to this album was definitely a bit mind-blowing in the sense of how, how raw and how immature it was almost, and then comparing it to everything else, you're just like, wow. Yeah, because that's how Blink started out. They were a skate punk band, 
and they didn't really care about fame or fortune. They were just doing this for fun. And that's how all the potty humor and the inappropriate jokes were developing because that's just something that they did personally with each other anyway. And they brought it into their music. And over time, that's how we've gotten so many joke songs and the banter between Tom and Mark on stage throughout the years. RIP to that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it all starts way back with uh, Buddha and Cheshire Cat. But since we're only talking about studio albums, Cheshire Cat, their debut, that's where it all started, bringing it all back. And then moving forward now, we have Dude Ranch. That was their sophomore album in 1997. So what did you think about listening to Dude Ranch? Because that's where Dammit came from. And Dammit is a staple in their uh, set list and in Blink's entire discography. So I know, you, obviously, that you knew that song. What did you think about the album as a whole? I definitely think it's the first one, except Refined, if that makes sense. They definitely retain the skate punk feel, but they're slightly more serious, I guess you could say. Their songwriting abilities are definitely better, you know, lyrically, you know, there's still some jokes in there, but, you know, the way they sing the lyrics is more refined. The way they sing is definitely more refined, specifically Tom, his singing is more refined. It's, this is where he really starts evolving into the Tom DeLonge everybody would know later, you know, with the multiple layered vocals and the more whiny aspect to his voice. He truly found himself on this album, I feel, as a singer. Yes, I completely agree with you. Dude Ranch is hands down a refined version of Cheshire Cat where you can see where things were heading with Cheshire Cat when they started out. And then Dude Ranch came along and they really worked on uh, tightening certain areas instrumentally, vocally. And yeah, it's such a killer album to go back to. For me, whenever I listen to it and go back to it, it's just a time capsule in an album of the 90s. And I think that it's such a great album, especially for its time. And you could really tell the progression between Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch and how they really stepped it up with their sophomore album. And with that being said, Eric, what are your top three favorite songs off of this album? So definitely pathetic, just because of the way it starts the album off. It's a really awesome burst of energy, and what I love is that from the get-go, you can clearly tell the progression and how they matured. You know, when, when you hear pathetic, you're like, yes, this is the, the blink I know, you know? So that's the main reason why I love that song. I also love Boring. And the last one is Josie. I just really love that song. Eric, great choices, man. Seriously, great choices. We even have a mutual choice. My top three. Damn it. Obviously, I had to throw that one on. That's one of my favorite Blink songs of all time, period. So that had to be on this list. For number two, I wrote Josie. So glad that we have that in common. That's really cool. Such a fun song. And for the third spot, like I said earlier, I ranked these by checking my most played on iTunes, and this one was actually a tie, so I had to do a slash. So the first half of the tie for the number three spot is Apple Shampoo, 
And then the other half of the tie for the number three spot is Lemmings. I love Lemmings. I love uh, the lyrics to Lemmings and the message behind it. So yes, those would be my top three. Technically four, but they both tied at three. So we got Damn It, Josie, Apple Shampoo, and Lemmings. So moving on from Dude Ranch, we are going to Enema of the State, which came out in 1999, the third album and the first album with Travis Barker on it. And man, right away, we can just get it out of the way and say this right now. What a difference. What a difference between Cheshire Cat, Dude Ranch, and Enema of the State. Tremendous difference. You can clearly tell why Enema of the State brought this band into pop punk stardom. They are on mainstream radio with this album. Not to say that Dude Ranch didn't get recognition because it did, especially in the underground punk rock scene. But once Travis Barker came into the band and Scott Rayner left, he was able to catapult this band really into mainstream success. Enema of the State is the album that made Blink Winnie to a household name. That's what got Blink onto shows like TRL back in the day and MTV Hits playing their music videos, all the small things, What's My Age Again. So yes, this is the album where, in my opinion, that their career truly started. And what an album it is. What a drummer Travis Barker is. Oh man, I could go on and on and just gush about Travis. Eric, what are your thoughts from the progression of the early days up into Enema of the State? Totally different. You know, I also love that this album has some of Tom's like mo- most aggressive guitar tones as well. I kind of feel like anyone who aspires to be a pop punk guitar player like Tom always goes back to this album just because of that sound. And yeah, I just love the variety that Travis brought to them, you know, as a drummer, which is cool because he's the one that proposed it, you know? He's like, all your songs sound the same. And, and Tom's like, well, it's not my job. It's your job to make sure that the rhythm is different. So I love that, you know, now with a third songwriter, they really got to have a lot more variety to their sound. And usually the sad part about it is, in general, drummers get overlooked a lot. And they're really not the main focus of bands. I disagree with that, but I'm just saying in a general sense. But with Travis Barker, he comes in and how could he be avoided? This guy is such an incredible musician. I love the fact that he added so much of his influence and you can totally tell. And not only that... But with Travis, when you go to see them live, he's constantly switching it up. He never plays it identically as the album sounds. So when you're watching them live, it is a treat to watch Travis go because he'll just add random fills. And it's a really cool thing to see how experienced he is. And he could just come out on stage automatic and just start killing it. He's phenomenal. The fact that they got Travis Barker in Blink-182 was the best thing that ever happened to Blink, in my opinion. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And in terms of the overall sound, you can still hear aspects of the first two albums in there, like, for example, the song Aliens Exist. It's, uh, you know, obviously it's something that Tom takes very seriously nowadays, but, you know, I feel like at the time anyone could have been like, oh, okay, they still have a little bit of that uh, joking aspect to them. Of course, songs like Aliens Exist, the party song, 
there are songs on there that that throw in some some jokes and some humor and that's always been a part of Blink's DNA and I hope that's something that never truly dies with the band because that's part of who they are and and their charm. What are your top 3 for Anima of the State? Because this is a hard album to choose from. This is Blink's or one of Blink's classic albums. So it's it's a definitely a tough competition between these songs so right there what you just said that it's a hard album to pick from let me just say now it only gets more difficult from here on out just because you know it, it that's just the reality when it comes to albums you know starting with enema onward but to answer your question my three favorites from this album are adam's song the party song and anthem Great picks, man. Great picks. So there's a loophole for me on Enema of the State. There's two top threes for me here because on my most played, there's a top three and then there's my actual top three. On my most played, disclaimer, because people are going to be like, fake fan, fake fan. When I'm in the car with my friends or I'm at a party or whatever and people aren't really familiar with Blink as far as deep cuts and they just want to hear Blink in general, they normally just go to the classic songs. Like all the small things, what's my age again? So that's the disclaimer here. So my top three played would be Dumpweed, what's my age again, all the small things. That's my top three played. But then on the flip side, my actual top three would probably be Don't Leave Me, Wendy Clear, and I love going away to college. I love the party song as well. It's so hard because this album is just so ridiculously good. Eric, let's listen to all the small things for the 20 millionth time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Travis won't mind playing it. Oh, man. Anyway, moving on. The Mark, Tom, and Travis show had to, to make sure that we went over this real quick. It's the live album, so we are not going to get into it too much. But, of course, I had to give it a shout out. It came out in 2000 and it was a live album of all their previous material stuff from enema of the state stuff from dude ranch even deeper cuts um like peggy sue so there's a lot of fun material on this album it was when tom and mark were at their prime with their stage banter it's such a fun album to listen to and talk about a time capsule if you're ever feeling upset and you just want something to cheer you up go back and listen to this album it is such a fun experience you feel like you're transported back to that concert where they recorded this and Believe it or not, there's a lot of takes on this album that I really, really enjoy the live version of. Uh, some songs I just wanted to shout out, Going Away to College, Carousel, especially Adam's song. I really like the live version that they did on this uh, on this album. So the Tom Mark and Travis show, and we get the introduction to Man Overboard. Then moving on to their fourth studio album, we have Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And that came out in 2001. Don't worry, Eric, there's no loopholes here. I have a solid top three. In fact, my top three for Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, The Rock Show, Roller Coaster, and Reckless Abandon. That's my top three. What about you, Eric? How do you feel about this album? What do you think about it compared to Enema of the State? And what are your thoughts? So I can't say enough about this album. This album was just everything to me when I heard it for the first time. You know, I love that it, it just mixes everything that they've ever done so well. It it mixes humor with punk, with the very nature of their sound. You know, I think it's 
the perfect album in terms of having everything in equal measure. You know, there's there's not too much or too little humor in it. The heaviness is right there, but it's also got its tender moments too. You know, definitely more serious subject matter. But it's it's a very fun album, I want to say. As serious as it can get sometimes. It's a very fun and bright album, and it is definitely among the most punk things they've ever done, in my opinion. And for my top three, you'll actually be surprised that we don't have any overlap this time. My top three are Anthem Part 2, Online Songs, and Every Time I Look For You. I totally get why you chose your top three, the songs that you chose. Every Time I Look For You, I freaking love that song. Yeah, and with Online Songs, we bonded over that song as well. That's such a good one. Dude, that is like... I don't know if they've ever played that live. I've yet to hear a live version of it, but that is definitely one of my most, like, one of the songs I wish they would play live more often. It's just so good. Yeah, that's one thing about Blink. I wish that they would switch up their set list more often. I get that they have to play the staples from each album or from, you know, their most popular material, but at the same time, for the hardcore fans, I wish that they would switch it up Definitely online songs needs the justice it deserves. Such a solid album. And for any fans who remember this back in the day, when the CDs came out, there was a yellow version, a green version, and a red version. So you had the pants version, you had the jacket version, and you had the takeoff, which had a plane on it. And each of these albums would come with a bonus song for each. The bonus songs off of this album are killer. You have What Went Wrong. Don't Tell Me That It's Over, and Mother's Day, which is such a funny joke song. And that's another thing. Happy Holidays, You Bastard, off of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Hilarious. Every time I listen to it, to me, it never gets old. I still crack up listening to that song. So there you have it. That's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, 2001. Now moving on, completely switching gears as far as the vibe of the entirety of the album. The self-titled slash untitled record, Blink-182 that came out in 2003. That was their fifth album. And what a change in emotions and vibes and style and pretty much everything from their earlier stuff. Such a mood shift as well. Eric, what do you have to say about this legendary album? So this is where it gets weird for me because unlike you who... I kind of feel like followed Blink's career in chronological order. This was the first album that I was introduced to. You know, you made it a point to, you know, really get me into this album at the time. And, you know, I had no knowledge of them. Not not a thing. And so going into this album, it was a completely blank slate. I had no no references or anything like that. And, you know, obviously because it was my first album... I feel like I received it better than a lot of Blink fans probably might have when it came out. And I can understand why. If I would have listened to everything in chronological order and then been hit in the face with something like this, <laughs> you know, I, I probably would have also been like, what the hell happened? Exactly. At the, at the time, it was just so out of place. And everybody just had a big question mark thinking like, whoa, where did this serious version of Blink-182 come from? And it was definitely one of those albums that upon its release got a lot of mixed reviews back and forth from fans and critics trying to figure it out. But 
over time has truly become a staple in Blink's career and has only become appreciated more and more throughout the years where people look back on it now and they're like, wow, this album was such a game changer for Blink and it's so great. Um, but when it first came out, believe it or not, you are entirely correct about fans questioning the band's direction. And it wasn't just a game changer in terms of a shift in sound. It was a game changer in terms of, you know, recording techniques. They really went all out in terms of using different mics using you know just different setups in the studio just to really you know have a completely different sound and you know me going into this as the first blink album ever you know i i loved it because i really just you know loved the experimentation of it and so obviously to me you know it it really made no difference what the difference was because i was like you know this is Blink, this is how I'm getting to know them as. So to me, it wasn't an issue. But, you know, I speaking of the sound itself, I just love the record in general. I love, like, the different topics. I love the different sounds. You know, it's... You know, it's just like with the previous album, I can't say enough about it. And to kind of just get it out of the way, my top three for this, definitely feeling this. Loved that song as soon as I heard it. Like when I heard it, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm listening to. I don't know a thing about Blink, but all I know is that this is the very first song ever that I'm listening to and I love it. So I'm not going to question it. As for the other two, definitely Stockholm Syndrome and I'm Lost Without You. The writing and recording process for this album was unlike anything that they've ever done before. And I think that's the beauty behind this album is what they were able to produce being in a room together, not having anything going into it, and then creating this whole journey of an album, because that's how I feel when I listen to it from front to back. It really is a journey of uh, emotions and such a really good album, such a strong album in their discography. My top three would be Feeling This, Not Now, and Always, However, Not Now was a Japanese bonus track at the time that this came out. And I know people might point fingers and be like, well, technically that's not on the standard version. So, okay, if you want me to just do the standard version, then it would be feeling this always and I miss you. But Not Now is, in my opinion, one of Blink's best tracks of all time and I still am trying to rack my brain today to figure out why it didn't make the standard cut I will forever question why it just didn't make the album I love this song and you want to talk about justice justice for not now and just like with the previous album it's so difficult to pick a top three so difficult so difficult this in my opinion this album is a masterpiece from front to back and it's really hard to argue that this isn't one of blink's best albums one thing i absolutely love especially about the song feeling this is you know they they obviously wrote the song but they both did it in separate rooms and neither one of them knew that they were writing about the same subject just from different angles so when they finally came together to you know, assemble the song, it was like one of those one in a million types of situations where the final product was just, you know, a completely coincidental thing, you know? 
Yeah, Tom went in, in one room and he was writing about sex and then Mark went in the other room and he was writing about love and then it came together and it created the masterpiece that is feeling this. Such a hype track, such a pump-up track. That is why it's their opener at every show that they do or, or that they have done in recent years at least. And yeah, feeling this will always be a song that I could never, ever get tired of. It doesn't matter how many times it's played. It's probably one of my most played, if not the most played track on uh, on my iTunes. It's, it's between feeling this and damn it, to be honest with you. But yeah, I love this track. Love this album. And moving on, we have The Greatest Hits that came out in 2005. That's when Tom left the band and Blink-182 went on an indefinite hiatus, quote-unquote. And from The Greatest Hits, then we got Not Now on that version. And we also got a cover of Mark singing Another Girl, Another Planet, which I love that song. And I love his version and the band's version of that song. So those are two gems that we got on The Greatest Hits. That's why it was kind of a technicality thing with with the untitled self-title. Should I put Not Now there? Should I mention on The Greatest Hits? But it's one of my favorite Blink songs ever. So it deserved at least a mention. Moving on from 2005's Greatest Hits, we have the reunion of Blink, which happened in 2009. That was something that I will also never forget, watching the Grammy Awards, and my favorite band takes the stage, and they're all together. Poor Travis, after his plane crash, he's in a sling, and then they announce Blink-182 is getting back together. And then, two years later, we have... 2011's Neighborhoods, Blink's sixth studio album. Eric, what do you think about Neighborhoods? So another shift in gears in a sense. You know, after years of absence, they come back. I'll never forget watching the music video for Up All Night on TV when it came back. I was like, wow, this is crazy, you know? And back then, my knowledge of Blink was still limited. So, you know, seeing them come back in real time and experiencing that revival was definitely, you know, kind of like the previous albums were for you. That was a, you know, time capsule for me, in a sense. And as for the album as a whole, I personally love this album a lot. I don't, you know, think it obviously is on par with, you know, the self-titled or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. But I definitely do love the sound overall especially for the kind of album that it was. You know, it was very disjointed because they they stopped using their typical songwriting method where they would all be in one place together. They did things separately. And even Travis was like, you know, this this doesn't feel right because, you know, I'm still recovering from my accident. And at the same time, I'm not right there with them. So this doesn't feel natural. But even with its limitations, I still think they managed to put out a great album. The word I would use to describe it is disjointed, and that hits the point of what you were just saying, how they weren't at the same place at the same time. Mark would record his pieces or his songs, Tom would record his pieces, his songs, and then they would all email their parts and then just throw it together, and you can really tell that it doesn't have the same charisma as previous albums and they were just trying to find their footing again being a band there were still a lot of 
animosity there from previous years and things that were built up and they really came together because of Travis and what happened during his plane crash and his recovery. There was a lot of factors against them, I believe, going into this. However, I do think despite all those things that we just spoke about, that this album is a good quality album, in my opinion, definitely not their best, but I think that they, with what they had at the time, they made do, and I think that they were able to put together something that you could still go back to, and there's still a lot of solid songs off this album. So with that being said, Eric, what are your top three favorite songs from this album? So my top three would be Ghost on the Dance Floor, then it would be Natives, and the last one, MH4182011. Nice. Good picks. That last one that you mentioned, that was the day that Mark wrote that song, and that's hence the title. MH is Mark Hoppus, and that was the date. He couldn't think of a title, so that became the title. Solid picks. Love Ghost on the Dance Floor. That is just, oh, such a good song. Such a good song. My top three, and this is another one that I dabbled with, because even if she falls, hypothetically, is a bonus track, which Another thing that I was trying to wrap my head around, why? Why is Even If She Falls only on the deluxe version? Whoever made that decision, that was a bad call. Such a good song. So it would be Wishing Well, Even If She Falls, and Hearts All Gone. I love the throwback vibes of Hearts All Gone. It really feels super fast, super punk rock. I love how Mark stepped it up on that song. Um, Wishing Well and Even If She Falls, those are more Tom-leading songs. Anybody that knows me personally knows how much I love Tom's vocals. Even throughout the years, obviously, they have changed dramatically. But I love Tom's vocal style and the way that Tom sings. And you can tell right away that it's Tom singing on a track. And that's what I love, that it's just so distinct. And obviously, I love the combination of Mark and Tom. Their dual vocals and their back and forth together is just, in my opinion... Tom, Mark, and Travis as a trio, nothing could ever replicate the DNA that they made up in Blink-182, and I will forever be grateful for the music that they did create together while they were still together, and yeah, that's what I want to say about that. So that was Neighborhoods 2011. Then moving forward, we got Dogs Eating Dogs that came out in 2012. This was Tom DeLonge's last appearance with Blink. It was an EP that came out, and it had the songs Boxing Day, Disaster, When I Was Young, Dogs Eating Dogs, and Pretty Little Girl. Fantastic EP, front to back. There's not a bad song on this EP. And I think what bothered me the most when this EP came out, and then years later in 2015 when Tom DeLonge left the band, is that this had this EP showed so much potential within the band and the direction that they were going. You can tell all the disjointedness in neighborhoods. They actually got together with dogs eating dogs, and you can tell that the magic was starting to come back and the direction that they were going in was stellar. And like I said, I love this EP. I return to this EP really frequently, and it's just a shame that things ended the way that they did. Who's to know what could have been after, you know? Who's to know what that seventh album with Tom would have been like? Yeah, I want to say, I don't know if this is the correct phrase that many people would use to describe dogs eating dogs, but it was kind of like a false promise in a way, you know, because 
you have this hint at what could have been and you know people were so excited they're like oh my god you know this is it you know blink as we know them are going to return and then it just didn't happen and you know a lot of people's hearts were broken over that including mine <laughs> yes <laughs> i remember it was a rough time it was such a rough time i kept on trying to wrap my head around what was going on I'm like not again no looking back at it now you just have to be thankful for the music that they did create together and if there's ever a time that you want to reminisce you can always go back and listen to those songs i know i do and yeah so i want to cap it right there since that was tom delong's last appearance out of those six studio albums eric let's do a ranking from least favorite to favorite so I'll say one, you say one, and we'll go back and forth. These are just the albums with Tom. So starting out as my least favorite, I will say my least favorite is Cheshire Cat. Same. I'm in agreement. Then moving forward for my number fifth spot, I said Dude Ranch. Same. All right. So, so far we're two for two. Not bad. Coming in at number four for my pick, I chose Neighborhoods. Well, same for me. Nice. Three for three. So... This is where it's going to get tricky, I feel like. I feel like your my three will be your two, and your three will be my two. But we shall see. Let's see. So my third pick for my top three is Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. My third is Enema of the State. See, I knew it. I knew it. And then two, Enema of the State for me. Uh, the self-titled for me. Whoa! That caught me off guard. Wow. So my number one is... The self slash untitled, because I know that's a debate within itself, what it's called. So I, I say both just to just to keep everybody happy. But yeah, my number one is the self-titled. Yeah, my number one would be take off your pants and jacket. Although Whoa. I want to say this, I'm, I'm always debating which one is my favorite because to me, they just go hand in hand, even if they're a bit opposite. But, you know, it doesn't matter which one you pick, you're always going to pick a fantastic album but the reason why take off your pants and jacket is my personal favorite is because like i said it's a perfectly balanced album it's not too serious but you know not too you know joking in a way i guess it's it's got everything that it needs eric one more time just so everybody can hear this and write this down your least favorite to your most favorite so my least favorite to most cheshire cat dude ranch neighborhoods Enema of the State, the self-titled, and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Very nice. And my least favorite to most favorite is Cheshire Cat, Dude Ranch, Neighborhoods, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, Enema of the State, and number one, the Blink-182 self-titled. And those are our picks with Tom. We're not done yet. We are not done yet because now we're moving on to Matt. So as everybody knows at this point, Matt Skiba is... Now officially, or not officially now, he's been officially a part of Blink-182 for a couple years at this point, and his first debut with the band, which is their seventh studio album, came out in 2016, and that is California. So Eric, what are your thoughts about California, and what are your top three picks from this album? So we have spoken to death about this album, 
But, you know, for the sake of... Plug it, Eric, plug it. In fact, we did an episode on California and California Deluxe. So if you'd like to hear our thoughts on both of these albums, you're going to have to go listen to that episode, which I will definitely link in the description below. Come on, Eric, you got to plug these things. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, just to give a little brief rundown, you know, this album was a breath of fresh air when it finally came out. Obviously skepticism and expectations were high and you know we were just like oh man it's anyone's guess as to what's going to happen but when it finally hit we were more pleased than not i would say i agree and we were just starved for music at that point because there was just such a long gap where all blink fans were just wondering about blink's fate it was up in the air at that point people thought that mark might just go off and do a side project which he's currently doing now but they thought maybe he'll bring back plus 44 or nobody really truly knew what happened until matt was thrown in the mix and in the beginning he just started out playing some shows with the band and learning blink songs to actually being promoted to a full-time blink member and then we have california that came out And when it came out, I was super pumped for it, super excited. Of course, I knew that it wasn't going to be the same as what Tom brought to the table, but I was excited to see what Matt can contribute to this band. And with that being said, my top three favorite tracks off of California are Cynical, Left Alone, and The Only Thing That Matters. I love Matt's verse on The Only Thing That Matters. I love the pacing of the song. I love Cynical. I think it's such a killer opener. It reminds me of feeling this with just that fast-paced introduction of welcome to this album, get ready for the rest of the entire album. So I love that. And with Left Alone, that's a predominantly Matt-sounding track, and I love that song. California definitely has... It's good sides and it's good attributes and then it has things that it's really lacking in. As far as negatives, I would say that it sounds way too polished, too squeaky clean for pop punk in my opinion, a little bit overproduced and some of the lyricism here is just really lacking, definitely not Mark's best. There's an ongoing joke now about the na-na-nas and the woes to fill in the gaps and you can see why when you listen to this album throughout. However, there are a lot of shining moments on this album, and I think the tracks that I just mentioned, hence them being my top three, have a lot to bring to the table, and they show glimpses of the potential of what they could do with Matt Skiba. Definitely. My top three, and I like to say that there is actually more overlap here than on other albums. Uh, My top three are Cynical, She's Out of Her Mind, and Left Alone. I know a lot of people that love the song She's Out of Her Mind. I enjoy that song too. A lot of people, believe it or not, who casually listen to Blink love that track, She's Out of Her Mind. I guess it's like the What's My Age Again or all the small things of this new version of Blink. So yeah, She's Out of Her Mind, great track. Cynical, Left Alone, awesome, amazing tracks. Moving forward, we have the California Deluxe version that came out in 2017, which is basically a double album. One disc is of California itself, and then the second disc is all the tracks that they had that didn't make the original cut for the standard California album. And I'm just going to throw this out there right now and say that this album, to me, is completely forgettable. I rarely go back to this album. I heard a lot of people say that 
there are some good tracks off this album that they would have preferred to be on California. In my opinion, there's only one solid track that I really could think would be a good fit for California. The rest of them, I understand why they didn't make the album. And yeah, the replay factor on this for me is just extremely low. Those are my thoughts. So with that being said, my top three for California Deluxe, it's kind of a... uh, weak effort but uh number one is last train home and that's the track i was referring to that's hands down my favorite by far on this and then second is hey i'm sorry i know that was a japanese bonus track for california anyway so there's that and then the third would be bored to death acoustic and bored to death obviously was the main single for california so that's the only songs I could come up with because I rarely listen to this album and the other songs don't really cut it for me. So Last Train Home, that's the gem that I picked from the deluxe. Eric, what do you think about California Deluxe? I definitely think it's full of interesting ideas, but at the end of the day, if you were to ask me, would you want any of these songs or would you have wanted any of these songs on the ultimate product that came out? I would say no, because... Ultimately, the final version of California is great as it is. You know, like you said, very few of these songs, if any, would have really helped its cause. So, you know, with that being said, I do have a top three. Uh, Mine would be Parking Lot. I just love the punk attitude of that song. If anything, that could have maybe been included on the, you know, standard California album. Six, eight. I love that song. I just love how dark it is and how heavy it is. And I love Matt's vocals on it as well. And Bottom of the Ocean, just because it's got a very plus 44 feel to it, in my opinion. And again, you know, Matt's vocals really come through on this song. Now, if you had to do a least favorite to favorite with Matt, obviously we only have two to choose from. And we could just both say it right now. So coming in at number two, we have California California Deluxe. Deluxe. And then coming in at number one, we have California. California. So that brings us up to date. And if you guys were wondering why we did this episode now, it's because we wanted to get this out before the new Blink album is out. There's so much news swirling around right now about a new Blink album. So it is said to be released this summer, sometime around June. Hopefully we get a single soon. I know that there's going to be a tour. I know currently that they're playing Vans Warped Tour in Atlantic City for the 25th anniversary. But you best believe that Travis Barker isn't going to travel all the way to the tri-state area to only play one show. So expect a tour sometime around there. And I'm really excited for this upcoming album. I know that they're working with multiple producers, so they did listen to fans about John Feldman. He has worked with a lot of my favorite artists and has helped produce some truly incredible albums. However, I think that it's really good that they're going with multiple eyes and ears on this project. So I'm looking forward to that. They said it's going to be way more experimental and more within the same vein of the self slash untitled record. And that is a big, 
big, bold statement to make, but we shall see what happens. Either way, I am totally looking forward to this new record. I can't wait till we get a single soon. And you guys best believe that when this record is dropped sometime this summer, I think early June, that we're going to be reviewing it on here. Of course, we're going to be talking about it on here. And one more thing before we go, Jerry Finn, the secret fourth member of Blink throughout the years. Gotta give a shout out to him. Definitely. You know, on behalf of both of us and Blink fans everywhere, you know, we wouldn't have the Blink sound if it weren't for him. He was just the guy who knew how to perfectly capture the sounds on all those classic albums that you love. So a huge shout out to him. Rest in peace. Thank you so much for your work. It's it's dearly missed. And with that being said, you guys, we want to know what you thought of today's episode. We hope that you guys are playing along. We want to hear your ranking with Tom and with Matt. And we want to know what's your least favorite to most favorite album. Guys, all you have to do is head over to musicmattersmedia.com. Contact us through there. Let us know. And don't forget to follow us and hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. And stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you.